Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody. Double G here for Fight Game Media. And this intro means that we are no longer on Patreon. All of our podcasts are now back in this free feed. So here is your one-stop shop for all of the Fight Game Media Network content. We are going to have a full boat of shows. Maybe not starting this week because there there is a little bit of a downtime in some areas. And uh, also, the wrap with Keela and Scott uh, for the next couple of weeks they're unable to record their normal evening so they're going to usually they are up monday morning and they're going to be up tuesday morning which is the same day that the boom is up so you'll have two shows on tuesday morning but usually the way the schedule will work monday morning you will hear keel cash scott young the rap tuesday morning our AEW show the boom James B. McDaniel, Kevin Ely. Wednesday morning, in the clinch, our MMA show with Paul Fontaine and Ryan Frederick. Thursday morning, the audio version of the Dynamite show, which is our live stream uh, YouTube show, Jeff Hawkins and Paul Fontaine. And then Friday morning, you will hear the Five Star Joshi show with Scott Edwards, And that is going to be our weekly Monday through Friday. Now, we won't have shows on Saturday and Sunday unless there were bonus shows. And what I mean by bonus shows, John LaRocca and myself are doing our wrestling movie review podcast. That's only once a month. I am also doing a special Double G show with Big D, my old buddy Big D, about once a month as well. Those will be bonus shows that the audio, at least, will be on uh, Saturday or Sunday. And then I'm starting another monthly show with my buddy uh, Brandon Draven. We're covering 1989 in pro wrestling, thanks to Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observers from uh, 89 that actually he published in a book. Uh, So those are bonus shows and that's three bonus shows a month at least um so more often than not there will be six shows in the feed as i like to say if you only listen to one show in this feed delete the rest of them like we you know doesn't hurt our feelings in any way we're just happy if if you're interested in one show 
So, uh, you know, you don't normally see feeds with this many shows, but because of the way that we're doing this, because of the way that we're trying to monetize our podcast feed, uh, Monday through Friday, and then bonus shows on the weekends. So a lot of content, but, you know, hopefully if if you have, if you don't have that, like, completionist, I know some people, they have to try and listen to everything that downloads. Like, just if you don't like, you know... Every pro, you know, if you if you don't like a d- WWE, if you're just an AEW fan, you know, just delete the rap. You don't even have to listen to it. Same thing with uh, the Boom or with the Dynamite Show. You're not in AEW, just delete those. So uh, that's going to be what the schedule is going to be. And you know, it probably won't be buttoned down completely until 2024. So bear with us. But the Patreon is is gone. We are not publishing there anymore. Uh, this show that you're going to listen to, and we'll have uh, a few more of these because. Uh, our WCW 96 show, which was exclusive to the Patreon, we do have the last show to post, and we we're going to put that in this free feed. So on days in which there are no um, normal shows, which obviously this morning, no rap, the rap will be up tomorrow. So we're just using this day to do uh, to put the Hog Wild podcast that John LaRocca and I did in in the news feed in newsfeed in, in the podcast feed for today uh, and if there are any other shows that miss we, we may slip in a couple but we're basically just trying to get WCW 96 caught up by the time John and I record Starcade which is probably going to be in about two weeks maybe uh, you know maybe about a week and a half we're, we're going to try and, and be ready to do the Starcade show all right uh, thanks for listening to this intro. You're about to hear John Rock and myself talk hog wild. The, the the basically the post bash at the beach, the the NWO where Hogan joins through Hog Wild, which is the the biker show, the infamous biker show, and uh, and then we'll we're gonna kick off uh, the free feed, being back in business for y'all. All right, let's get to Hog Wild '96. We are back in 1996 covering WCW as we head to the pay-per-view infamously known as Hog Wild. (laughs) What a name of a show for uh, WCW in 1996, considering all of the euphemisms for penises and dicks uh, on uh, WWE TV around this mm-hmm. time frame. Uh, er, you know, the suck it stuff. And so WCW just goes, you know what? We're calling this show Hog Wild, which they would change to Road Wild. They wouldn't change it because of the euphemism. They would change it because they didn't want to get sued by Harley. Because <laughs> does Harley have some kind of event called Hog Wild as well? I, yeah, I think so. I think they had that trademark or something. Uh, okay, the trademark. Yeah, Road, Road Wild sounded a lot better i mean i was a kid well i was a kid i was what just out of high school when i was younger i was thought i thought it was hog wild was like an embarrassing name for a <laughs> pay-per-view when they first named hog wild like what is that you know like sold out like the next year was clever you know yeah, and, yeah. but this was not one of their best yeah totally 
Um, all right. So what are we going to do here? Well, we are going to cover the post uh, Bash at the Beach time frame as we lead into Hogwild. All of the Nitros were held in the uh, at Disney MGM in Orlando. Mm-hmm. So every single Nitro was sort of this outdoors area. It's literally from the same place every week. So it kind of just looks like one long taping, but it's not actually one long taping. It's live Nitro. And uh, Dave Meltzer in The Observer mentioned that it kind of looked like the Little League World Series. (laughs) (laughs) It was definitely a smaller setup. Um, My issue was not during the daytime, it was during the nighttime. I thought the lighting was very like brownish, you know, yeah. on the ring. So, but that was the only issue. But at least like the one before the pay-per-view, they brought out the entranceway. Yes. But the, yes. before that, it was just like they're walking out of like some kind of like <laughs> black hole. I don't know where they're coming from. It was just, it looked kind of, it looked a little, little rent there. Yeah. Do but you the, know, some matches are good though. Do you know why they ran all of the tapings or all of the uh, TV from there? Um, uh, budget reasons, I'm guessing. 1996 Olympics were happening. Mm. So they had to run the TV where I guess a lot of the production was happening for the Olympics. So they mm-hmm. couldn't act because they were short on staff, I guess. They didn't have enough staff to like <laughs> kind of just go all over the place. So that was that was the reason. Interesting. Interesting. And then I'm sure they got a good deal, right? From MGM because that's where they were doing the worldwide tapings at and everything. So, all right. So post Bash of the Beach, obviously the the big Hogan angle at the end of that show, and we lead into the TV. And Hall and Nash are not wrestling necessarily right away, but they're definitely trolling WCW. Uh, the Hogan doesn't show up on the Nitro the night after. He actually shows up on the next week, which is interesting. And I, I don't know if, if – I'm assuming they booked it this way. But a lot of the top baby faces for WCW were actually in Japan, so they weren't even on that show. So it's kind of Hogan mm-hmm. showing up, and there's no baby faces to confront him, like Macho Man and Sting. They were in Japan. Luger was there. Yeah, but uh, he he's he has an interesting character. Like all of the stuff that we had been watching that we kind of dug, where him and Sting are our tag team, but Luger's kind of doing heel stuff. But still, the babyface, like all that stuff, is dropped. Like Luger's yeah. just yeah. Luger's just it. on Team WCW at this point, which I think kind of hurts his character. Like there's no there's really no intrigue in Lex Luger at this point. No, he's just part of the like you said, Team WCW against the NWO, and that's. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what, I mean, it's part of me, like, the NWO was a great idea, and it definitely increased business a lot, but a lot, like, Luger as, like, that, you know, friends with Sting, but heel to everyone else, was, like, one of my favorite things in 96, and yes, it did end when um, they shifted the angle to NWO. So when Hogan does cut his promo, he basically does the thing where, you know, I'm where pro wrestling zap brother uh, calls out the entire locker room to to come out and but that is uh you know then then they just go off tv and we never see what happened after a locker room came <laughs> out they're just like oh we'll see you guys later and it's yeah. not follow, followed up on so i'm assuming hogan and nash and hall kind of got out of there without 
getting beat up. So, uh, and so the big question is, who is going to join the NWO as the fourth person? L- on, on the Nitro after Hogwild, Hogan and Nash, and we'll talk about this on the, on one of the next shows, but Hogan and Nash do this interview, uh, Hogan, Nash, and Hall do this interview where Hogan's like, we've been teasing the fourth and the fifth guy, brother. Like, they just don't get it, mm-hmm. which is a funny comment because the fourth guy is supposed to be Sean Waltman. Yeah. But Sean Waltman cannot show up on TV because of contract stuff with WWE. So they do this crazy heat angle on uh, one of the Nitros before the pay-per-view where it's Sting, it's Lex, and it's Macho Man against the Four Horsemen. And and so they they did this match basically back-to-back to back weeks, except one week Rick wasn't in it because they were sort of teasing that maybe Rick was going to be the fourth guy. Mm-hmm. And then ne- the next week Rick was in the match. And as this match is happening... Jimmy Hart runs out and he's like, Lex, Lex, you got to help. You got to help. And they're just like, what are you doing? And and so this is like, that's the only real link between the old Lex characters. Like Jimmy Hart's the one who kind of comes out. Yeah. And what, what happens is they come out or they go to the back. And what you see is Hall and Nash with baseball bats beating up Scotty Riggs. They beat up Arn Anderson. They beat up. Of all people, Ray Ray. <laughs> Ray Mysterio Jr., who this is the infamous uh where, where they dart him into the side yeah. of the trailer. And I don't like like that is sort of a historical moment. Like we see that all the time. The more ridiculous thing to me is Ray trying to attack Kevin Nash by doing a high cross body. That's the one that's more ridiculous <laughs> to me well, than, the, than being darted. That's what he knew as a young kid. You know, he knew just to go to the top, to go off the uh, jump off high things onto people. <laughs> so that's what he thought. But, uh, you know, Ray was young. He's only about 19, 20 years old, 21 years old. Yeah. yeah. So heat so much heat mm-hmm. the the good guys you know technically the good guys are are worried about arn they're kind of breaking kayfabe rays and a neck brace eddie's there with them and rays like there's a fourth one hogan wasn't even there so i don't know yeah. why there was four it, he was assumed to be there it was everyone in their respective lot or friendships i guess or they're you know like they had the horsemen worried about Arn. You had uh, Sting and Luger and Savage worried about Riggs because you know Bag was out there. You know also that you know he's he's the Bayface locker room right. And then you have Eddie who's you know you know Latin American and you know worried about his fellow Latin American and Rey Mysterio. So it was cool that but they're all but they all were together. You know not united but they all have now they have now it's the NWO versus everyone at WCW. So this is one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. The idea that WCW comes together is great, but there's still only three guys. Mm-hmm. And so you can't actually do WCW versus NWO. You still have to do WCW versus WCW matches. And so it was kind of weird that they had that angle at that point where there was only three members of the NWO. Like, let's say... Six, you know, let's say they got six guys or seven guys or eight guys, and some of those guys are going to be WCW wrestlers who kind of infiltrate and turn their backs again. Then having WCW be like, okay, we're facing all these NWO guys makes sense. But it just seemed weird that we're like, oh, 
it's WCW versus NWO. And then on the pay-per-view, it's Chris Benoit against Dean Malenko. <laughs> like, it's just not, not that that was bad. It was just a weird kind of disconnect. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm watching this show. So much heat. Oh, and then we're just having random matches. And the thing that I liked is, uh, I think I think it was Eric Bischoff says, we have a standby match. Yeah. Like, all of this stuff happens. This, this crazy heat angle is 20 minutes long. Bobby the Brain Heenan's like, I'm out, guys. Like, I yeah. I, I can't I'll get stay hurt. Here. Uh, and and Eric Bischoff is just like, I need you guys. I need Tony, Shivani, Zabisco. I need you guys here. <laughs> like, I just, you know, we have we have to do this show. I need you guys here. So that felt like really serious and realistic. And I thought that was really good. And then they're like, Oh, what are we gonna do? Well, we have this standby match. So I have to believe that WCW's rundown sheet has all of their matches, and they're like, if one of these matches doesn't happen, it's Big Boss Man versus, I forget who he wrestled. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember who he wrestled to. Is it Eddie? Eddie. Yeah, it was Eddie. It was I Eddie. I think Eddie was supposed to work, shoot, someone else, right? Wasn't he, supposed to... was he supposed to wrestle one of the guys that got beat Ray, up? Right, I think, for the, t- for the that, title? That's exactly. That's what it was, yeah. Cruiserweight yeah. Championship match. Yeah, so yeah, then it's Eddie and the uh, Big Boss Man or Big Bubba, Bubba, Bubbers, Big Bubber, <laughs> Big Bubber. Uh, yeah, it was good. You know, like I, I used to like the standby match or or the uh, the you know oh the, this match ended you know early we're we have a couple standby matches you know just made just brought some realism to what you're watching. You I mean know? that's that's what would happen in mm-hmm. other sports, right? It's like yeah. or like the UFC. That this, this this doesn't happen with the UFC anymore because they have so many fights. But sometimes what the UFC would do is if if a lot of fights ended quickly and they had a lot of pay-per-view time left, they'd go, oh, there was this great match from the, mm-hmm. the undercard, which if you watched it on, you know, whatever channel versus you would have seen, you know, whatever, whatever it was. And uh, they used to do that a lot, but, you know, they paced their shows out. Uh, a, a lot differently now so they yeah. don't do that but that, that i used to think that was cool it's like oh yeah like you know this this was really cool you, you get to sh- like showcase somebody who was not on the pay-per-view but had a great win and it was a, mm-hmm. a nice little way to showcase them so oh yeah i thought that was i thought that was pretty cool uh so some of the other things that that were going on they did a uh a, a segment on uh, wcw saturday night which was sting and lex going to their car after a show in a parking garage. <laughs> and I think Hall had called someone to call Lex back. So yeah. uh, so Lex goes to the back. He's like, oh, I got a call. I got to go back. So it's just Sting by himself. And Hall and Nash beat up Sting. And, you know, he, he's he's trying to get into his car. And they're slamming him up against the 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 trunk and stuff. And so so they're beating him up. Uh, so you know these guys are just out of control, and it, it's 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 more of it's it's less of uh, about matches, and it's more about you know yeah. power and and who's going to run the show, and we got to intimidate these guys. So so that was that was another thing they were doing, and um, you know the, the this idea of the fourth person. Now when they were teasing that it was Rick, the reason why that makes sense to some is because Ric Flair is like Hogan on the older side uh, of things. Maybe um, 
you know, the, but but the but the reason why you wouldn't believe it is because it's like, no, he's Horseman. He's Team Horseman. Yeah. Why would he yeah. turn against Team Horseman? But they were really trying to tease that with the limo, just a limo sitting there, uh, Sting and Luger trying to figure out what's going on with this limo. I think they're trying to get over the paranoia of like when they're going to come out, when they're going to attack, who they're going to target, who's going to join them. And they kind of just use that to plant that paranoia, right? Did they ever explain where Rick was? I don't know. I'm trying to remember that promo he cut after the after the next taping. I think the and he had a really impassioned promo. About yeah, it was really good. Like it's like, oh, it's not like goofy Ric Flair. It's actually being you know old school serious Ric Flair. Yeah, um, I forget what he said, but um, I I didn't. I mean, when I just took it as like Bobby Heenan's like or or. or you know, there's just being they're just like just being so paranoid about who's mm-hmm. going to join and scared. I didn't ever believe it for a second that Ric Flair was going to join the NWO. No, I didn't either. But Flair was basically like, "I'm Team WCW." Arn mm-hmm. Anderson's, you know, like my brother. Yeah. You know, when you guys hurt him, you know, now it's serious, and you know, he was calling out the NWO. All right, some of the other storylines. Now, the NWO was the main storyline, so much so. That when the pay-per-view happened, I was like, when did this match get announced? Like, I'm assuming it was on, like, Saturday night. Saturday night. They were still announcing a lot of matches on... WWE Saturday night wasn't... I mean, now it was the B show, but it was also wasn't, like, you know, far, too far down that it would be, like, in, I think, what, like, less than a year and a half or something like that? What did you think of leaning into the Chris Benoit, Kevin Sullivan, Nancy, a.k.a. woman... Uh, reality stuff like the, the, there's whispers they're not like they're not giving yeah. you everything but they're giving you pieces uh you know chris uh, at the last pay-per-view it was chris you know you're hurting him you, you know don't hurt him yeah. uh and, and and now it's uh you know benoit and then and then malenko gets involved and and what did you think about the aspect of like they're 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 kind of talking to the insider fan here because i yes. can't imagine that the majority of the fan base even knows what's going on I always thought this was going to be the Pillman storyline that they were going to do. I thought Pillman was going to be in this role of Benoit. I didn't like it. I didn't like, you know, looking back, I think when I was younger, I was like, you know, cause I was on the boards and you're like, Oh man, you know, they're trying you know, they're saying that he's, you know, having an affair with, with his wife and all that stuff. But to me, like they didn't explain it on TV. Like how can the average person know that, you know, woman is married to Kevin Sullivan. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they never explained it ever since she returned in uh, 96 so, like they they could at least explain like you know that's kind of weird you know that you know woman who's a, is married to ken sullivan is now with rick flair and her his group right why is that why is she not with the dungeon of doom you know yeah there's a little bit of a wink wink wrestling is uh you know an act but at the same time you're doing these really heated angles with the nwo so it didn't mm. really fit i i don't think they never even teased it when the horsemen were having issues with the Dungeon of Doom, right? I don't think so. so. No, they never did. Yeah, so very. I mean, a lot of people remember this angle because you know the joke is that Kevin Sullivan booked his own divorce, but like, yeah. But I don't think it was really set up that well. I think people were just more into Benoit and Sullivan's like physical matches than mm-hmm. they were like the the actual storyline itself. Later on, it became more of a big deal. Did you know? That on July 24th, the Steiner brothers won the tag team titles. Yes. They, they lost them back to Harlem Heat on July 27th. They did like a quick. Ch- I don't even remember they even announced it on television. I don't think they? so. I don't think they did it, on television. 
it, I don't think it's considered a phantom title change or anything like that. Or no, it happened, so it's not. But I think it's one of those just like it happened on the house show to just do something fun, fun for the house show. But I used to hate that because you know if you're out, would you? I don't know if we know the town that it happened in. Like I don't remember you know, Omaha, Nebraska, yeah. and like you you're at that show and you're watching it and you're like, oh my god, the Steiner Bros won the tag team titles here, and then. On television, you see Harlem Heat with the belts, and they don't explain, like, you know, they lost and they got back. It just kind of, like, bums you out as a fan. Like, you know, like, it doesn't mean anything, right? So, and they did the same thing with Chris Benoit and Booker T for the TV title. They had, like, a, you know, series of matches where they were they switched the, the WCW TV title around, and they never really acknowledged it on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wonder what the point is. Is the point for that small <laughs> house show audience to go, oh, that's why you gotta buy a ticket. But there's like, there's like two thousand people in these st- in these places. I mean, it's, maybe even if less. You, if you advertise it that it happened on your television, it'll make yeah. people be like, "Oh shoot, there's a title change on this show that you know that wasn't filmed." You know, I need to go to this show that's in my town now because there might be something like that happen. I might witness it. And but when you don't when you don't acknowledge it on television, then people are like, "Well, it's just, these these shows don't matter." You know. All right. Now you got to tell me. They are spending one twenty to thirty second segment every Nitro <laughs> with this video about Glacier. Yeah, the same stinking video every week. We're waiting for this dude to debut. <laughs> no announcer says anything about this guy. I think Bischoff may have mentioned it because we're going back paper previous pay per views that they've been t- they've been running these little yeah. little videos. Just the graphic, but now we're actually seeing him like do his martial arts and yeah, like, very in the quickly. snow, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. But they don't say they don't say oh you know coming to you coming, know, to, yeah. coming soon glacier. And do you know where he when he where he debuts at? I don't remember. WWE Saturday Night. Mm. <laughs> what the hell so, so i remember people thought this guy was gonna come in and it'd be like you know the guy versus the nwo he's gonna join sting and luger and savage and and um you know he was he was a it was he was a letdown just you know once once he debuted well then again saturday night was still like i said still you know ba i guess you know show and like you had to like i still tuned in but still you could tell like they're not doing the debuting the guy on nitro then yeah, that's not a good sign. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Rey Mysterio beats Dean Malenko on the Monday Nitro after the uh, Bash of the Beach. And he is the new champion in another really good match. Mm-hmm. Ray is clearly uh, someone who's much different than anything else that you see in wrestling in the U.S. for sure. And he's a very unique underdog babyface, which is why he should not have been in the thing with <laughs> Kevin Nash. Um, I mean, I guess you get a lot of sympathy for him, but then he's yeah. just wrestling the next week, and it's like almost nothing happened. He was fine. Um, 
so that was cool to see Ray get his title win on Nitro. Uh, we also have um, a Kevin Green interview on the July 15th Nitro. I don't even understand what this was. I guess he's got to go back to training camp. <laughs> it's like they wanted to cut a promo, but he has to go back playing football. So he's not going to be back for, you know, whatever, but eight months. So yeah. like, what's the, what's the point? You know, like, and, and here's the thing, right? He gets screwed by Steve Mongo McMichael. And, and then this is at the pay-per-view previous to bash of the beach this is at the great American bash. Mm-hmm. And so we see him and he's like, He's talking about Hogan, and he, you know yeah. he talks a little bit about McMichael, and you know he, he's like looking for him, and he wants to face him, and he's like chasing him around looking for him, and then he never never does see him. And McMichael comes out later to that show, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you're kind of wondering is Kevin Green gonna attack him? Nope, Kevin Green has had to go on a plane to to go to training camp, <laughs> and so Kevin Green." Uh, this is at this point they're calling Hogan uh, Hollywood Hogan. Savage would be the first one to say Hollywood Hogan. They just keep they don't call him Hulk Hogan anymore. It's Hollywood Hogan, and he says that all of his success he owes it to the training, the saying your prayers, and the eating your vitamins of Hulkamania, and that is why he became the NFL player that that he did. <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, quite the story there from from Kevin Green. Yeah, yeah good team, good he's... team player, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know if I would yeah. have said that. Well, you never know. Hogan inspired a lot of young young men and uh, and uh, some older men as well. I, 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 I want to say Hogan is like, was he six years older than Kevin <laughs> Green? I don't know. He wasn't that much older. Than him. Uh, um, I think this is. I don't know if Dusty Rhodes is. He might have been on the booking committee at the time. I know it was obviously Bischoff. Ken Sullivan, Terry Taylor had a, you know, the main guys, I believe, at this time. But like Dusty could have been involved. And like I know what Dusty would do a lot is people would, especially in 87 and 88, like they would always come out and talk about what, well, the biggest star is doing, which is Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, you know, if the, the Midnight Riders in the, is in, the NWA because Dusty Rose suspended, you know, everyone on every promo in 88 of the spring of 88 all talked about this damn midnight writer, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's, it's kind of like that same thing where it's like, it's the main issue and to get over the main issue, everyone's concerned about it. Everyone has to talk about it. And, but yeah, Kevin Green, you would think he'd be, he kind of look, he's just said a few things about Mongo, but he should just been all about Mongo. Yeah, right. Cause yeah. we'd hope to see that match when, well, you know, not really, but we, you know, that's the match you want to book if, you, if if he's coming back. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so on that same night, we get Lex Luger against Big Bubber as the main event, and uh, NWO jumps them, and this is where uh, Hogan wants the giant locker room spills out. I didn't like this for Luger because it just made him look like a rando. I'm like, man, Luger should be, you know, one of the guys who's like the fighting baby faces, and he's just kind of. That, oh. that they're just kind of running over him. I didn't like that at this point. Well, they can't also beat up just job guys either. Like they have to like if they're gonna their first attack on screen has to be against at least someone that's the main eventer to kind of you know uh, get over the fact because they're just beating up job guys. It's, it's it doesn't mean it's not as impactful. And that's what Luger gets for not wanting to go to Japan. Probably he's just yeah. like ah, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> on the seven twenty two Nitro. There's a video package for four gentlemen that I did not remember that this happened. Is it? Oh, my God. Yeah, this was like the Baywatch slash this group <laughs> that never existed. Like, they only had, like, one match. I think they got their ass kicked by the four horsemen. Jim Powers, 
yeah. Alex Wright, Joe Gomez, and the Renegade. Yeah. They there there's a video package of them walking and taking their shirts off. And that's all it is. That's literally what the video package is. I don't understand what, what like why they would waste this money and time. Like what was their original thought like plan? Like, oh, these these four guys that could be what, like heartthrobs or something? Is that what they're trying to go for? I mean, it just I think about this. When the young stallions were at their peak in WWE as like the young, handsome, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they they were the mid card team, but they had a little bit of fandom that that most mid card teams wouldn't have and i loved i loved those guys yeah me too that was 9 years earlier than this so jim powers mm-hmm. is not that young guy anymore he's kind of like an older dude still i mean still jacked but uh alex wright is you know is the young dude and i don't yeah. i don't i don't know how old joe gomez was at that point but you know the renegade is kind of like an afterthought at this point so yeah. that's a weird group that they put together so i'm thinking like okay i i must have missed this you know, this small window of opportunity for these guys where they're a team. And nope, they just face the Dungeon of Doom, Kevin Sullivan, Hugh Morris, Barbarian, and the Leprechaun. <laughs> the Leprechaun, yeah, uh, uh, Sergeant Billy Parker <laughs> what? Uh, came what out as a Leprechaun. You're right. I remember that. Um, yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand why they did this, but uh, it gave me a big chuckle. Like, I'm like, okay, so the video is them just walking on the beach, taking a shirt off, showing muscles. Like, what's that going to, how's that going to get them over to anyone? Just bizarre. Yeah. It's WCW for you. So uh, the the Nasty Boys uh, on the August 5th Nitro, they come out and they're, they're doing an interview and like everyone's like, oh, you know, Sags, you know, and, and Knobs, like we know Hogan is your boy. And they're like, yeah, we're not taking sides. <laughs> like I like this though. We're you're we're good. Like you know, if they want to do it, go for it. If they don't want to, you know, if it, whatever whatever it is, it is. And then they face the Steiner brothers later, and it, the Steiner brothers are like, "What side are you guys on?" <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like they're just yeah, like, yeah. they're like, yeah, we're, we're we're not anybody's side. Everyone does what they want, and you know. And so I thought that was a uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, that, it, it, that was that was a good that was a good wrinkle to put in there. Just to you know, not everyone is just pro WCW and and against the NWO. There's there's people that have associations with Hulk Hogan that you know, and that you know they're like you know we're gonna wait this out and see how it is and who we're gonna join and it does play off. It does play into something that happens later in a couple weeks, I think. Uh, so uh, the uh, the Booty Man, <laughs> he faces um. Actually, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Steiner's. It was Sting and Lex who were talking to Nasty Boys. They were mad at the Nasty Boys for mm-hmm. not being Team WCW. The Booty Man faces Ric Flair for the U.S. Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, this is the one I had to kind of hit the fast forward button. Just <laughs> I don't know, Bruce Beefcake. I just after the Paris accident, I just can never get into his match his matches. You know. So the idea of this match is that. The four horsemen are giving the booty man a lesson because he is connected mm-hmm. to one Hulk Hogan. So Flair yeah. gets just gets disqualified, and he's putting the figure four on this dude outside of the ring. They're just beating this dude up like crazy. And, uh, you know, you kind of feel like for because he comes out as the booty man. Like, he doesn't come out as NWO in any way. He's just yeah. the same guy. And so there's... 
you know, Flair's taking this this piece of it uh, very seriously. He wants to send the NWO a message here. Yeah, this was good. I like I like the I like the end. I like the attack on uh, the Booty Man and Bruce Briefcake, and you know, obviously the very close friend of Hulk Hogan. And I like because it was really chaotic, and people were trying to help. You know, the, the Booty Man. There's the, the what's her name? The Diamond Dolls in there. She's trying to help, and I think other baby faces. But Flair kept just just getting on him like he'll cut a promo and leave the promo and start punching him and kicking him and even on the floor mean, that, mean yeah, that jeans great. in the ring while this dude's yeah, getting beat up yeah. gene oakland's <laughs> upset he's like yelling at flair to stop like it it, it, it was cool I, I really like that uh yeah so that i mean that is basically what happened we do get some interesting matchups we get to see uh eddie against chris and this is where malenko interferes and chris benoit gets counted <laughs> out so a famous uh feud there we could see mm. some of that. Uh, I, yeah. always, I always like that because when Eddie, I'm sorry, when Dean comes out to attack Eddie on the floor, I think the referees with Benoit and probably with the woman. Um, <laughs> I never forget this. I kept rewinding it as a, a kid because, like, you know, when, you know, because you don't really hear a lot of spots being called. I mean, back then I didn't know. Like, yeah, I couldn't yeah. really tell, you know. Um, now I can see it all day. But, I like, like. When, ben, when Dean Malenko runs out, he goes, post. <laughs> and just rams him in the post. <laughs> and I'm like, what? wait, what? I can rewind the VHS tape. Oh, my God. He just said it to him. He's going to throw him in the post. I just, he's like, oh, like, you know, you, you don't hear that, you know, back well, then. Well, the, the famous one for me is the, uh, was it the the 91 War Games match? Oh, yeah. We're st- it was Sid and talking, yeah. Rick Steiner talking to each other. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Put me in the figure four. Yeah, that was now you got where, now John like, Cena wow. is just just sitting there talking the whole match. <laughs> like you might as well just get on the mic, you know, like Funk and Flair from I Quit. Yeah, so a couple other things, a little, little bit of psychosis. You can see Eddie against psychosis. That was good. Um, the what about the rough and ready Dick Slater and Mike Enos? I love them. Harlem Heat. Uh, and, and yeah, so as we lead into the, uh, the pay-per-view here, I have some notes about what was going on. So, uh, so Dave writes that one hour before hog wild was scheduled to begin a major blackout occurred, which encompassed parts of nine States, most heavily in California. Many people who did have power were unable to order or receive the pay-per-view because computers at many cable companies had no power to process orders. Power returned at various times, but again, if the computers weren't working, orders for replay shows couldn't be processed. As WCW learned with the situation earlier this year, when something like this occurs, buys for the replay show don't come close to making up for the loss of viewership. So bad luck here for WCW as they pro- their buys were probably pretty affected by this blackout. So much so that Dave said that he didn't get to watch the show hmm. because his uh, recording didn't happen. Like he ordered it and he did the recording and then the blackout happened and then didn't record because he wasn't watching it live. I remember I watched it live. So I don't know. That's interesting. Cause I, 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 I remember I watched it live and taped it and I mean, I didn't buy it cause I, but at the time I had the old, the old black box, that was, you know, it was one of those. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yes, yeah, so I don't know. So it's, it's strange. Yeah, I, thought, I don't, he, I don't remember this one 
myself. I don't remember if I if I had this kind of going live or not. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Like I remember the show, but I don't remember a lot of the specific things that happened. So it's quite possible that I did not watch this. Mm. Okay, this is a funny one. This is from I believe this is from the Nitro book, the Guy Evans book. Dimedale's page wants to do a deal, or maybe this is possible that this is the, the observer. Uh, D- Dimedale's page wants to do a deal where he would be the Stevie Richards flunky to Ric Flair. But Flair is said to not be so hot on the idea. Flair <laughs> would, in that scenario, be Page's benefactor since they started a benefactor storyline with no idea where they were going. So Flair ixnade this one. DDP's always trying to get in the mix. I, I, I really enjoy reading about his hustle even you know he's not taking no for an answer here on a lot of this stuff that's a strange one i guess DDP DDP is probably just throwing out ideas you know yeah um very strange wow uh so the nwo attack the thing that we described as uh you know taking out several members of team wcw according to the guy evans nitro book Kevin Sullivan says it's the greatest thing he ever did in wrestling. Huh. Kind of interesting. Really? Um, like the angle itself? Yeah. Like that particular angle? Yeah, he itself. laid that whole thing out. It was, it was well done. Like yeah, that. It, was really, yeah. it was really good. So this fourth member of the NWO, according to Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer, was scheduled to debut at Hog Wild, and it was Sean Waltman. However... Titan has yet to send him his legal contractual release after agreeing to do so with the belief that they were simply screwing with WCW. Waltman was at the show and ready to do whatever, but WCW wouldn't allow him on the show without the release. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I was, uh, going through the WWF 1991 timeframe, uh, Jeff Hawkins, Myself and Scott Young, who was two years old in 1991, <laughs> we did a show uh, on on the Patreon about it was a bonus show about the last time there was two pay per views in back to back weeks, and so we covered Survivor Series and we covered this Tuesday in Texas. During that time frame, you remember Ricky Steamboat as the Dragon? Yes. So he's fed up and he bails out on WWE and he shows up at the clash of the champions yes. in the tag team with Shane Douglas against the enforcers. No, Dustin Rhodes. Oh, Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. Dustin Rhodes. Sorry. Uh, so they were waiting. So they, D- WCW, uh, I think they send WWE something that says, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have steamboat on this show. According to steamboat and his lawyers, he is not contractually obligated to you guys, and unless unless you you see differently, we're gonna we're gonna do this show. So they are waiting for WWF to give them any sort of information whatsoever that Steamboat is under contract to them. WWF waits until <laughs> the night of the Clash of Champions, and they send the facts to the Atlanta office, even though the company is running the show not in atlanta and so they're they're trying to screw with and 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 wcw's like no screw it we're just doing the match so and steve walked in and dustin rose and arn and zers we've got an awesome match yeah 
Yeah. yeah. It, was a, it, was, it, it would just showed you, like, poor Steamboat's the dragon. And they're like, no, you just, just walk in and just be in the main event. Like, enough of this mid-card WWF stuff. And he comes out with a big dragon. <laughs> like, <laughs> under a big dragon head or something. It was weird, but yeah. That was awesome. All right, not not a lot of Monday Night War stuff, but we'll just have this this little bit here before we get to the Road Wild pay per view. So Dave writes because he did a he did a um, an issue where he covered basically that you know 1996 is is very successful, and it's not necessarily successful from the pay per view standpoint. It's it's successful from the house show standpoint, and he writes. For the industry as a whole, this year has been a surprising positive in an industry that has largely been on a slight decline after the fallout from 1992, and that is Hulk Hogan having to go away because he's in the steroid trial and Vince McMahon, you know, the doctors are horny and all that stuff. Uh, that That's really where the decline of, of pro wrestling happened uh, for both companies, too. It, you know, both companies just kind of went to the to the crapper and it it didn't recover until 96 this year has been the first sign of a serious resurgence in overall interest even with pay-per-view declining likely due to the number of shows being presented catching up with both sides and this is both sides are now doing basically Mm -hmm. a show a month so if you're a wrestling fan you got the wwe show at 25 bucks you got the wcw show at 20 bucks and so you know that's forty five bucks a month if you're pro, if you're a hardcore pro wrestling fan, and sort of similar to what we've seen uh, in AEW recently, uh, and and it's going to get uh, even worse because you had you had the Forbidden Door show, then you had uh, All In, then you had All Out, then you're going to have Russell Dream, then you're going to have the November pay per view. So that's like five pay per views yep. within five months. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the history of what. Dave is writing is that, you know, your buys probably do go down. Now, if you have 12 months worth of buys rather than five months worth of buys and they're consistent enough, then maybe you still make out positively on the business mm-hmm. side, which is probably going to be the case as long as uh, Tony Khan can can keep his momentum going as it <laughs> is currently. Uh, although now you and I will talk about this in the upcoming months. Now, the, the unfortunate thing I'm about, about to say this. We're not going to post this until uh, Saturday on the weekend because this is a bon- This is a, a show, a, a weekend show, kind of like a bonus show, and we'll talk about this on Thursday, which will precede the release of this show. So, unfortunately, uh, you know, this will be late news. But do you know for this world title tournament that MJF is having for a Grand Slam, a first mm. round matchup? Is Darby Allen, Darby Allen versus Nick Wayne? Yeah, I I posted it. I retweeted that because I said, "What did Nick Wayne do to enter in this tournament for the world title?" And I just said, "Is you know he must has be Tony ne- Khan's latest action figure." So. Has never won a match, has he? No, no, he might have won a, a tag match. It, uh, well, you know, what? I'm gonna save this conversation till our next show because there's I have a lot to say about. <laughs> I did some research today. On Orange Cassidy's run as uh, what is that the All Atlantic slash International Championship mm-hmm. and who he defended against and the records and stuff. I thought it was very. I wanted to know like everyone's like, oh, it's such a legendary run. And I was like, I mean, it's a mid card title. Who this guy? Well, it'd be, it's interesting who he beat and all that. But we, yeah, we'll talk about that. You know, 
our next show. Okay. Uh, our next show, which if you listen to it, you have already heard it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you already heard what we talked about, <laughs> this was airing after that one, but you know what I mean. So uh, uh, Dave says, uh, it, it's better for the promoters as it appears for the first time since perhaps the mid 80s. There are two national companies that are both making a profit and neither is in a decline or in any apparent danger of not being around for the long haul. Mm. It's better for the wrestlers, although some need a crash course in basic economics. And what Dave means there is the wrestlers were frustrated when some of the guys coming in were paid more than than they were, right? We know that Hall and Nash come in at a very high rate. On the WWF side, Brian Pillman comes in at a very high rate, and the wrestlers were upset because they were making less. And Dave's writing, he's saying, if they would just understand that if you bring in Brian Pillman at a higher rate, when you come when you come up for your renewal, mm-hmm. you will have to be higher than Brian Pillman because that's just how contracts works that's how it works in pro sports that's how it works in wrestling so you should be happy that brian pillman came in at a higher rate because there there's a trajectory of where the business is going and where contracts are going so that's what he means in a crash course in basic economics yeah so if like triple h you know is making less than brian pillman and it comes a you know maybe that later that year his contracts do. He'd be like, listen, I've been headlining Raws. I've been, you know, in part of this big angle. And Brian Pillman can't even get out to the ring because it's, you know, because of injury, you know. And then yep. and it, he, has a, he has a case to, yep. to raise. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, Public Enemy. This is, this is the main event right before the pay-per-view. There was a two-hour main event pre-show. Because it was, a, it was Saturday night. Yeah. So they had two hours normally. Yeah. And then a uh, three-hour pay-per-view, so a lot of wrestling for this hog-wild crowd. <laughs> and I can't believe I watched this whole thing live. I did watch this whole thing live. I was probably, probably I think I was at my parents' house, so it's probably my dad didn't kill me for watching <laughs> like two hours of, uh, of the pre-show, then then three hours of the the pay-per-view. So. All right, Public Enemy beats Dick Slater and Mike Enos in three forty-seven. Mm-hmm. Conan beats Chavo Guerrero in 424. Uh, he played heel, allowed Chavo to do some of his uh, acrobatic, what Dave calls acrobatic offense. <laughs> and Dave says Conan is much better as a heel. Conan did a post-match interview basically saying that he's patterned his career after Hulk Hogan and is still patterning his career after Hulk Hogan. So they 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 are having some... Folks who are on WCW who aren't really leaning Team WCW. Mm-hmm. The Nasty Boys beat High Voltage in 322. Uh, they they did another interview where they said that they were neutral in this feud. And then Alex Wright pinned beautiful Bobby Eaton with a drop kick off the top rope. In 30 seconds, you beat Bobby Eaton in 30 seconds. Yeah, that's, that's a, a wacky result. But maybe they're getting short on time or something. I don't know. Kevin Sullivan and Ming and the Barbarian beat Jim Powers, Joe Gomez, and someone who was not in this Baywatch foursome, Mark Starr. Mark, so Renegade must have been hurt or something, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had a 
that's why maybe that's why Ox right went over on Bobby Eaton so quickly because they you know they just had this video play of them at the beach and they're like hey we're getting our ass kicked against the Dungeon Doom last week after this video play at least gotta give us something here. Psychosis uh, had a dislocated elbow, mm-hmm. and so Dave Taylor subbed for him and pinned Mr. JL, none other than Jerry Lynn in two thirty seven. Mm. And uh, and then Diamond Dallas Page pinned the Renegade. Okay, so the Renegade is oh, Renegade, oh, he, oh, in the match with DDP. So why can't Renegade wrestle? Why can't DDP wrestle Mark Starr? Yeah, because he beat the Renegade in fifty three seconds. That what the hell? Uh, WCW. <laughs> and then uh, Arn Anderson beat Hugh Morris in forty seconds with oh. a DDT. So in all these matches, Man. so you have three forty seven, four twenty four, three twenty two. 30 seconds, 306, 237, 53 seconds, and 40 seconds. That is your pre-show here for uh, the pay-per-view. All right. First match. uh, Rey Mysterio against Ultimo Dragon on the TV Chiron. It said the Ultimate Dragon. uh, What was the name? Uh, Rey beat him to retain the cruiserweight title. Sonny Ono was with Dragon. Sonny Ono was with a lot of people on this show. Yeah. Um uh so some stuff will be so so uh, I'll give you a little bit of the layout here. So Hogwild the, there's just tons of dirt, mountains behind and they put a wrestling ring in the middle, lights and everything. But the ring is high, is higher than the that than sort of the flat ground. So that elevate it so everyone can see what's going on. Yeah, so Ray could go to the outside and there's like a mat, but it's a small area, but there's no barricade. So all you have to do is just take a step down and then you're on all the dirt. Mm. So they did some stuff where they they all had to go uh into the dirt. I think this is the only match where was it the only match where they actually went into the dirt to do stuff? Yeah, because Ray wanted to, you know, do the dive where he goes, you know, the springboard dive from the floor, you know, from the top rope to the floor, plancha but to the all floor. the way to the all the way to the dirt floor. Yeah, Dragon did uh, a plancha as well. Um, after a series of near falls, Ray did the Frankenstein, what, what Dave writes as the Frankenstein off the top rope, which uh, Iron Mike today would have called a Hurricanrana. Yeah, soon uh, it'll be called Hurricanrana. You know. Yeah, uh, he missed. Uh, then ran up to the second rope and did it again and scored a pin. I was actually surprised to see this star rating because when I watched it, I thought they like they missed some stuff and it was kind of clear that this non wrestling crowd kind of mm-hmm. bugged them a little bit. Like they weren't into anything, so they were just like wrestling for themselves. <laughs> like these these bikers on their bikes, uh, you know, going like several. Uh, several levels deep, you know, because there's no mm-hmm. seats. Just everyone's just on their bike or they're standing up. And Dave said there's about five thousand people there. And I think Bobby the Brain Heenan said two hundred and fifty thousand people. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like bash of the beach in '95 <laughs> too. Remember that? Um, I I gave it to me. I thought this was like a three star match. That's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. But Dave gave it three and three quarter. <laughs> um. Uh, I thought this match was the wrong match for this crowd. L- yeah. Last on uh, Greg Bash, it was Dean Malenko defending the Cruiser title against Disco Inferno. I thought maybe Disco would have been a better opponent 
for Ray Mysterio and this for this crowd. Yeah, because he and can do all the goofy stuff and. I wouldn't say Ult- Ultimo would have been good because he was a heel against Dean. Probably wouldn't work. So maybe another, you know, a, a masked uh, baby face. Maybe Mr. Jail could have got a title shot, um, you know, for that show. But, yeah, I think easy, you know, a easy guy to haze Disco Inferno, his character and stuff. So, and they would have had a decent match, you know, for this crowd. They didn't have to, you know, you're not, you can't go out there and try to do, like, all these high spots. These, these fans don't care about that. They're just no. a bunch of drunk bikers, you know? Yeah. They want to see some violence yeah and they want to see clear good guys and clear bad guys yeah yeah and they want to see the stars they know which is like hogan and you know and savage scott scott norton beat ice train so ice ice train uh fire nice split up Mm. and there's even a match where i forget who ice train is wrestling maybe like the barbarian or something and Scott Norton could just comes out and starts beating up the the other guy because he's like, nope, I'm saving you for the pay per view. Yeah, You're not getting I, hurt. I always hated that so much. I always hated that. I'm saving you because I want you at 100. Yeah, that's dumb. Uh, this match is five minutes, and Scott Norton just keeps uh keeps putting on the Fujiwara armbar, just sinks it deeper and deeper and deeper, mm-hmm. and then he uh, he just taps out. <laughs> match yeah, is yeah. done. There was like well. None of the explosiveness that uh, I would have thought. Don't forget, Ice Train was you know selling a, a shoulder injury right going into this beat, match, taped up and everything. Giant. Um, you know, I felt bad for you because you're the I, I, the fire and ice explode. You know, I know. and uh, we thought we saw you know Powerhouse Hobbs and uh, Mir- <laughs> uh, Miro going to reform uh, <laughs> Fire and Ice, but they broke up at the one one show. I so. know. It's like they had thirty seconds of being the greatest wrestling tag team of all right. time and they Tony usually has two weeks but I guess he really wanted to expedite <laughs> this process what what what's uh, Dave's star rating here um let's say one and a half one star mm. yeah I would give it you know and that was I would give it a solid two because I thought they did some good stuff and they told a nice little story the only problem is that the Fujiwara armbar is like a flat finish for this crowd they want to yeah. see something big slam or something like that yeah totally so <clears throat> Medusa wrestled twice on television in between the two pay-per-views. She faced a woman by the name of uh Mali- is it Malia Osaka? Malia Osaka. Who is Malia Osaka? I don't She is American born. I think she's I don't know if she's Japanese or Hawaiian. Um she was been wrestling for a long time, you know. Uh one of the more attractive female wrestlers at the time from the you know, late 80s 90s where they're mostly weren't that you mm-hmm. know um and she was good you know and she's still wrestling today i think she wrestles for uh wow no way yeah it's yeah amazing. she she is like uh she has two other asian they're like almost like kind of like ninja assassins kind of deal i guess i don't know they're, they're kind of like that character i think she's and she's she's a fun like follow on facebook because she's just bitter about wrestling a lot like oh. she's to go so i used to like enjoy her takes on like locker room etiquette and shit like that but um but yeah she was she was pretty talented i always liked her as a, when i was you know which she would show up on lpwa or just mm-hmm. some random um you know she, i think she came through wcw in like 91 as well i think a few times around so when they had had to have a women's match for and of course reason. she comes out with uh sunny ono and uh and she actually beats Medusa in one of yeah. the matches. Medusa wins one. 
Then she comes back and beats Medusa in the other where Sunny Ono is holding Medusa's legs down. So And that was on a Saturday night or a worldwide or something, I believe. I don't think it was on Nitro. Yeah, there was two back to back matches on Nitro. I don't was know if they there? were back to back, but there were two in this time period, yeah. It had, it had on Nitro? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the maybe it's the Nitro after the show, this show. So I can give you the, the dates here. Because I only remember watching one. And I remember her um, I remember Leia Saka beating uh, Medusa before the pay-per-view, which I thought was weird. So Medusa beats her on July 15th. That is the same show as Hogan, Hogan show. Mm. And then they rematch on the 5th, August 5th. Yeah. Where she, she beats her oh. with, uh, with uh, the heel uh, Sonny Ono win. God, I feel like I only seen, I only watched one of them, which is strange. All right, anyways, so yeah, she, so, so Medusa's wrestling. We 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 feel like something's gonna happen here. Yeah, they're, set, they're setting her up for this show because she faces none other than Bull Nakano, and the stipulation for this, I, I was confused because it's kind of clever in, a, in some way, in a, in a way, right? In a way, it's kind of so clever. I I just was confused because I don't remember them talking about it. Yeah. Uh, and again, could have possibly happened on Saturday night, but the winner was going to be able to like take a bat to the loser's bike. And so obviously Medusa, she's riding a Harley, the American made bike. Mm-hmm. And so to this crowd of rednecks, <laughs> Bull Nakano being Japanese, of course, her bike had to be like a Honda. It couldn't be a Harley. And so the yeah. Honda was the heel in this match, even more than Bull Nakano was. <laughs> and so uh, you can imagine. Now, they did, a vi- they did a video of all of the wrestlers getting on their Harleys and riding to in, in whatever, whatever the ride was. Yeah. Now, we hadn't seen Eric Bischoff because he skipped the last Nitro, and nobody knew where he was. And so I was like, oh, maybe we're going to get a little tease of, you know, what's up with Bischoff here? No, he's just in this video riding his Harley. Yeah, yeah. He was – all the Harley riders got together. It's like, you know, they're – this was like just – they just booked this show for them themselves, like basically. like Yeah. 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 Gosh, can you imagine? Uh, so, yeah, this match, uh, the finish was kind of funky. Uh like I, I think, <laughs> I think the ref screwed up like multiple times, and then yeah. eventually just like raised Medusa's hand. <laughs> it was like you win. <laughs> like I was so con- I, I didn't know what was going on in this match. Yeah, it was kind of clunky. Um, There's some good stuff though, some good stuff, and then but yeah, I think the finish was kind of awkward. Um, and then afterwards, of course, you know what what happens. You know, so Medusa wins the match, and before she could actually get to the bike. Sunny Ono grabs a sledgehammer and he's trying to hit her bike. She jumps out of the ring. She throws something at him. I didn't exactly see what it was, but she like tried to throw something at him. Then she gets sledgehammer, bashes uh, Bull's bike. The problem with this is the sledgehammer is actually pretty heavy, so her swings were mm-hmm. not the greatest swings, so she's like barely touching this thing. She eventually picks up a little bit momentum and smashes it, but it was sort of the impact. Like the impact would have been 
you take one giant swing and you hit it and it falls over and then you yeah. start smashing it. But she, she like is hitting lights and stuff. So it was not, it wasn't, it's it wasn't the that. gas tank and blows up. <laughs> okay, was... <laughs> well, that's what Heenan said was going to happen. Yes. Like, <laughs> Thank God that didn't happen. Um, I think, and I remember what happened. It was, uh, like towards the finish, I think Sonyono got the sledgehammer and gave it to Boldecano and she started hitting the bike. So it was like a disqualification, wasn't it? Here's how Dave wrote it. <laughs> yes, it doesn't make sense when he's writing it either. Bolnakano was supposed to do a bridging back suplex, and the ref would count. And at the count of two, Medusa would raise her shoulder, and the ref would count three. The women did the finish. The ref, Randy Eller, stopped his count at two. Neither woman could figure out why and hesitated. Then they did it again, and the ref again didn't count three. Then a third time, and Medusa again raised her shoulder, and the ref counted three, but nobody knew what was going on. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was, it was, I'm going to say, star and a quarter. Star and a half. No, oh, okay. All right. Best match of the show. Chris, uh, by, by far, by the way. Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko. Now, mm. Good guess. You liked a match better than this one? I'm trying to even figure out. You like you're saying Flair and Eddie Guerrero is better than this one? Um, I I I thought they had the wrong match to have. Not 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 just in front of this crowd, but like the store. Like, go ahead, you could, we could talk. It's like a nice scientific, you know, role yes. wrestled match. Just you know. So what happens is is they go to the what was the 20 minute time limit? 20 minute time limit. And instead of and and we have no idea why that it just wasn't a time limit draw. It would have been totally fine as a time limit draw. They go the referee or the, goes you know five minute overtime, <laughs> and it's like why why is it five minutes? Like are are we counting overtimes? Is that kind of a deal? So then they wrestle and then it goes to the five minutes. The referee's like another five minute overtime. This match would have been way better if they just went into the next pin or the next fall wins. They have to break it up with the stupid overtimes. So I think I thought that hurt the flow of it. You know, the other thing that I didn't like, and it kind of made me cringe a little bit now, obviously Chris Benoit has, has passed and not, you know, no one is sympathetic to him, but he does a, I think it's a superplex. Mm-hmm. And he specifically takes it over so that he lands high on his neck instead of his back. Like, he purposely does this. Mm-hmm. What the hell was this dude doing? He's always did that. That's why he did his superplexes, which like is... crazy. Um, but, yeah, that was my... My issue was not just the the match they had, which was, the, you know, like I said, a well-wrestled, scientific, but still aggressive match. The storyline is that the Dungeon of Doom or Jimmy Hart, specifically on orders of Kevin Sullivan, hire D. Malenko to take out Chris Benoit. Why would he not hire, I don't know, Ming, <laughs> Barbarian, you know? Like, he hires D. Malenko, and they just have a wrestling match. Yeah. So that's why I didn't like it. I think this match would have been fine on a Nitro and, and you know, and, 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 and Atlanta, Georgia, but not, like, you know, Sturgis, South Dakota in front of a bunch of bikers. This, uh, so I think 
the deal is, is they're trying to push Benoit because you know who he beats on the Nitro after this? Mm. The Ron Reese? Ron Reese as, oh, yeah, as, right, because as Big Ron Stud. He's getting a title shot, I think, soon, I believe. So, um, yeah, Ron Stud. I think he superplexes him on top row, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Big, Big Ron Stud is a giant human. Santa but... Clara. Yeah, uh, he play, he's a great basketball player in college, mm-hmm. but he has no bot. Like, he has no size. Like, he's tall, <laughs> but he has no thickness whatsoever. He just looks like a guy who, like, never lifted weights in his whole life. Like, it's what he looks like when he comes Really out. big head, really tall, skinny arms. I think Scott Hall would affectionately call him T-Rex, I believe. <laughs> the, I don't know, affectionately. <laughs> the, the, the Yeti. Yeti. Um, like I said, good match itself. It just didn't work here. That's why I don't. I thought I have a probably a lower rating with Dave than Dave had, but um, you know, I have about uh, you know, kind of around that Ray and Ultimo, like you know, three stars, you know, maybe two and a three quarter, honestly. Interesting. I uh, Dave has it at four and a quarter. <laughs> when I watched it without looking at Dave's rating, I thought three and three quarter was was really good. But you know, the thing is, is you know, think of all the wrestling we've seen from 1996 to 2023. And so there's so much wrestling that we've watched to compare with star ratings. And and Dave is like, wow, a 25 minute, really good wrestling match. Like I don't see this stuff on, on, uh, on TV all the time. So I could see why he was excited. Uh, so the, the finish is, um, woman interferes. And then it was, it was kind of interesting because woman is in the corner and Malenko is I forget he's like putting on a submission or something on Benoit, but he specifically walks over to this corner and which allows his back to turn to Benoit so that Benoit can schoolboy him and hold the ropes to win the match. So, uh, yeah, good stuff, but you know, I, I, it was the best match to me on the show in a match where Ric Flair, we still have Ric Flair and Eddie Guerrero to go. I liked it better than Ric Flair and Eddie Guerrero, so. I know which match I like better. I think it's coming up next. All right. Harlem Heat. Yeah, this is the best. The Steiner Brothers. Against the Steiner Brothers. Now, you want to, like, just display, like, what's wrong with people in 1996? Luckily, nothing was... I didn't hear anything... There was... I didn't hear anyone say the N-word. Let's put it that way. Apparently, there was. Right, that's what Steve I'm, Ray and Bo, they, I'm thankful did. that the 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 microphones did not yeah. pick it up. Yes. Uh, so the only like so obviously they're heels, but the reason why they're getting booed is not necessarily because they're heels. It is because they are black. That is yes. the reason. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if you you credit it to them or not, but they're like leaning into it, right? They're like, mm-hmm. okay, I get it. It's not cool, but. You know, it's probably going to look interesting on TV and the sound will be good for, for the heat. But, yeah, it's got to be pretty deflating for that to be the case in 1996. For them. I mean, I don't, do you think they booked that, like, feeling that's what the reaction be, would be? Or they yeah. just thought, like, we have... Kevin, Kev, didn't uh, Kevin Sullivan put Sherry Martell with Harlem Heat early on, like, for that reason? Like the white, no, yeah, the idea that the African American team, sensational Sherry managing the Harlem Heat would be this, you know, attractive white woman with a black, with the black tag team would get yeah. heat. Yes, that was the the original idea, but it worked out 
opposite because I thought they made a great unit and um, they're a great team. I like this match. This match was, was really good. The finish was a little bit. Uh, uh, I the think finish was so dumb. Wrongly laid out. Yeah. Which is considering who's all involved, I'm surprised it, it it went the way it did. But I thought like you know action wise and just you know I you know Starbucks were my favorite team, so physical and Harlem Heat's you know I guess they're they're more respected now but before they weren't as much but you know now they're they're getting their flowers as the kids say <laughs> but uh, they're really good so uh so scott steiner makes hot tag belly to belly on booker uh rob parker comes to the apron colonel rob and booker has him and he's trying to throw powder he's got this powder in scott's eyes and he's trying to throw it in scott's eyes he throws it, and instead he hits Booker right in the eyes. Then Sherry, she throws powder into Scott's eyes. Uh, Colonel Rob hits Scott with the cane, and Scott can't see. And even though Booker can't see either, he does know how to fall right on him to pin him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, uh, and then, and yeah, and then uh, Harlem Heat wins this match. Yeah, I thought. Um... What should have happened is, you know, Booker T has Scott by the arms, holding him up so Colonel Rob Parker can throw the powder. Colonel Rob Parker throws the powder. Scott ducks, hits Booker T. The referee, not going to disqualify them because, you know, it should be automatic disqualification, but you can get away with, like, since he didn't hit Scott, he can, um, you know, he can let it go and but still admonish. Colonel Rob Parker, who's on the aprons, so the referee's back is turned to the action. And that's where Sherry should have had the cane. Yeah. Sherry should have hit Scott with and, and broken over his head. And when he if Scott crumbles to the ground, Booker T can just, you know, roll over and cover him. Or, that's yeah, why or, or like Stevie Ray just grabs him or somebody grabs him and puts him, him on, on them. Yeah. 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 Something like something like that. Cause because what they did, it was like the double powder, and it just it got over everywhere. Like like if you did it the way I describe it, the the ref knows why the powder was thrown, right? So he's not like just like counting three when like it was covered in powder, you know? Like I just don't like that. It yeah. makes the ref look an idiot. But yeah, um, overall, but I I remember really liking that match to the finish. So, um, okay, so I guess at this point we should talk about the announcing. The this announcing was I, the problem with the announcing is you have this idea of the NWO trying to take the title, and these announcers should have been really serious about this show, right? Like every because you're getting to so you know the the last two matches are going to have NWO folks, and you really should be like serious about what is happening and what you know this what happens if these guys win this match and what happens if Hogan takes the title problem is Bobby the Brain Heenan is drunk off of his ass <laughs> and i don't hear like dave didn't write anything about it so uh i don't know if he didn't know or 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 whatever i know you listen to a lot of these you know history things and some, some shoot stuff and have you heard anybody like talk about the announcing on this show before? No, 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 not. I just know Bobby was extra. I don't know. 
racist on this one too. Like, you know, especially with like the ultimate dragon match. Yeah. Um, Eddie Guerrero match with Flair. He says a couple of things. Um, Yeah. On, on, uh, I think on nitro, he talks about Eddie, Eddie's, uh, mom's chili or something. Yeah. That's chili. Yeah. And, Dusty still seems to be putting over everyone. Like yeah. the young, like the young, he still seems kind of doing all right. But yeah, Bobby was the best, and he kind of like would go off, like because remember he would kind of like switch sides within the match. Like yeah, in the, yeah. So and, and and they would get on him for that. Uh, okay, Ric Flair, Eddie Guerrero for the U.S. title. This was a good match. I I I, I was kind of even though I you know I knew that this wasn't a five-star match. I was just watching us hoping, I just wishing that it was a little bit better than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, chops, back and forth stuff. Guerrero's getting a few things here and there. Um, Flair is doing his best to, you know, have a Guerrero-style match when when it is the time. Uh, Guerrero, the problem with this match is they copied the stupid finish yep. from the Nitro match that they had. And, and it's the same same problem they had at the first match. It's the wrong match to have in front of this crowd, you know. So, you know, and and I think the Nitro match, at least the Nitro match, made a little bit more sense. And the Nitro mm-hmm. match was was also better in yes. that Flair is damaging the knee. So when Guerrero hits the frog splash and he slams the knee, then then like you you get it. You're like, yeah, like you know, his knee hits the mat. Flair's been working the knee. In this match, she's not really working the knee all that much. But then he does the frog splash, and the knee goes out again. So if it was that from the last time that Flair did that, you know, Eddie's knee has still had some damage, it would have been great for the announcers to tell us that, but they did not. Flair puts figure four on, and Woman is holding Flair's hands to give him more leverage and the referee yeah. cannot see this, and Eddie Guerrero had, passes out from the pain to lose yeah. the match. This would have been better if, like, Flair would have knocked him out with some nucks or something, or the interference from the, or maybe one of the shoes from the ladies, you know, Elizabeth or woman, something like that. Something different than what they did on Nitro. Like I said, like you said, Nitro match was a lot better. Also, and a, a more setting of this, of a, a crowd as more setting of Eddie Guerrero. This crowd here, I think they saw Eddie. At the time, very small, not as muscular as he would get later on. You know, he didn't look like a physical threat. And uh, I think Ric Flair was more over than Eddie was, you know, to this crowd. Oh, yeah. I think Rick, there's one lady that was apparently just ooing and on Ric Flair. Flair told he's going to, it's him and her after this. After the match. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, you, you didn't say the star rating for uh, the, the tag team title match. Oh, yeah. What did you think it was? Um, I, I gave it. Three, three and a quarter. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Dave had it at two and three quarter. Two and three quarter. Yeah, yeah. Negative five for the racism, but um, <laughs> South Dakota. All right. What about but, yeah. for uh, Flair Guerrero? Uh, Flair and Guerrero. I'm going to go th- a solid three. Three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, these last two matches. Uh, <laughs> They, what would Dana White say? Uh, what, what's Dana White's line about boring uh, fights? I didn't think Sting and Luger and and um, and but Sting and Luger, yeah, it was Sting and Luger versus Sting, Sting and Luger against Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. I didn't think the match itself was that was boring. I thought it was 
Actually, I thought Sting was fantastic in this match. Um, and Scott Hall looked good, too. The announce- looked good. The announcing oh. sucked. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. We, we, well, I had on mute. They <laughs> were not setting the tone for this whatsoever. Uh, you know, Nash is... Nash is Nash. He's he's only going to do so much. Mm-hmm. He's not going to go above and beyond to to do too much for the match. And you know it's 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 a heat tag team match of where you're setting up the hot tag. Sting's mm-hmm. playing the babyface, and uh, and the finish was terrible. Like I get I get where the finish is coming, and and it'll play out. <laughs> it definitely, it will play out. But I think it's terrible because Nick Patrick. Yes, he was so off. bad. If he would have, we'll talk, explain what happened. And okay, I'll, and so I'll, I'll give the why why it didn't work. Sting has Nash in the Scorpion on the floor, so those two guys are out of it. So it's just mm-hmm. Luger and Hall. Lex Luger uh, puts Scott Hall up in the torture rack, and supposedly Scott Hall's legs are hit Nick Patrick in the face. So mm-hmm. he is supposed to then stumble into Lex to knock Lex off balanced and and to chop drop block Scott him. Hall. Yeah, like a chop block. Yeah. He takes the most delayed bump, and so it's like he gets hit, and, the, and Tony Schiavone tells us, oh, he gets hit, and like five seconds later, he falls into Lex. I'm like, well, they, they, what's going on? He's supposed – it's supposed – they want everyone to notice what Nick Patrick did, yes. right? It wasn't like he was – Get hits with he gets hit with uh, Scott Hall's uh, sorry uh, yeah Scott Hall's legs and just kind of like accidentally knocks into Luger's back as like but I think what happened was is that Luger had Scott off the rack he hit Pat Nick Patrick Nick Patrick stole him back I think he was gonna go down right then but Luger wasn't at the time his back wasn't to Nick Patrick so Nick Patrick waited till Luger turned completely. And had his backside to Nick, and then went down. I say just go down and do it. Like yeah. you can chop block anywhere. No, no one's gonna know. You know, like Luger still was gonna sell it once he felt, you know, Patrick hit his his uh, back of his knee. Like he was gonna go down. I don't. I, I thought Nick Patrick screwed that up. Oh, he did. He totally yeah. did. And it was it was fine. It was a fine idea, especially. I thought it's a great idea. to to save you know save your baby faces and to kind of give mm-hmm. the audience like a oh. Is this guy in the bag for the NWO? Yeah, you yeah. know, and 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 that will play out. But uh, you know, and this is not the only time Nick Patrick's gonna screw up with this stuff. By the way, yeah, uh, yeah and he, yeah. he fast counts. Uh, he fast counts Luger, so the NWO wins the match, and uh, and that and that is that. What did you What did you give it? Um, I give it a solid two and three quarter. I thought it was. I thought that was well worked. You know, until the the botchiness of the finish. Even though it wasn't that bad, it, it it's. It's a shame that it, it, because it was easily could have been better. One and a half. Oh, Dave. I I saw it as like, I I could see if you wanted to give it two. It was just too boring. Like it it was, you know, we have obviously, you're not going to have this, uh, you know, rock, you know, you're not going to, we saw the high flying early in the show. Mm. We saw Eddie. You know, the thing that bothered me the most, which is, if you if you're watching all of the TV, these guys see a limousine and they sprint to this limousine because they're like, mm-hmm. "Are these now guys there?" You. This match happens, and it's like, yeah, you know, one of our intros, gonna lock up, 
no fire on the baby faces to like beat these dudes up. And so it allows Nash and Hall to just play cool guys, you know? They didn't they mm-hmm. didn't have to really I mean they cheated, but you know, it's just like, oh, these guys are the cool guys. And I I just thought Lex and Sting should have been much better baby faces to like defend W like they didn't feel like they were defending anything. It was like a match. Just had a match. I wonder if the environment played into the match they had too. Maybe. Because the elevated stage with the rings on, you have Kevin Nash, you know, seven foot with bad knees already. You don't want him because, you know, that's a, that was a pretty high platform. Yeah. You know? like, I think Dave says like four feet or something. Yeah. So him stepping off that, and if they had to do a match where it's wilder in and out of the ring, you know, it, I think they still could have done what you're saying, but maybe they were concerned about that. Like, what if we're brawling and then we just kind of like, I lose my footing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of have more of a safer match. Because I don't like those elevated states. Mm-hmm. Ever since Rick Rude got hurt in Japan mm-hmm. on an elevated stage, I always like would worry that someone's going to break their back again. You know? Yeah. All right, main event: Hogan and uh, the Giant. This <laughs> this was this was torture. This was really bad. Uh, the entire thing was Hogan playing bad guy, doing lots of stalling. Um, Which I did- liked. Yeah, it was, it was fine because you, you want to see a difference in the style. Yeah. You know, he's a heel now. How yeah, does know. he show you that he's a heel? Well, he's doing this cheating, the mm-hmm. stalling. Spouters. He's yeah. smart, smarting, uh, outsmarting the referee, you know, doing things right at the perfect time. Uh, Dave called them <laughs> 60s heels, ta- heels tactics. Yeah, yeah, simple stuff. But we got double knuckle lock, test of strength. Yeah. We got bear hug, you know, <laughs> it's like basically. It's like he's wrestling Big John Stud all over again, you know. And the giant, did the Giants comeback was a Hulk Hogan comeback? Yes, he yeah. copied the Hogan comeback, the Hogan babyface comeback, and it didn't work because this crowd, who wasn't, who weren't wrestling fans, they're a bunch of drunk bikers, knew who Hulk Hogan was, and that was their favorite. Mm-hmm. And he's also in black, you know. And so they're like, "Oh, great! He's you know, he's dressed in black. He looks like a Harley guy. He drives a Harley. We saw him come in on the big parade." In the Harley, probably, you know? NWO comes out. Scott Hall comes in. He gets slammed off the top rope, and then he gets choke slammed. Uh, Kevin Nash gets Jimmy Hart's megaphone, and then he gets choke slammed. Hogan gets the megaphone. And did he hit him with the megaphone, or did he hit him with the belt? <sighs> I couldn't tell yeah. exactly how, how, what happened. Because the look, because the belt was right there in the ring, because mm. when the referee counts three, he goes just to his right to grab the title. It might have been the belt. Maybe they took away, maybe the referee, oh, maybe, I'm trying to remember it now, I remember. I think the referee took the megaphone away, turned around, and then Hogan used the belt somehow. I don't know who brought the belt in. But. Babe face pop. Crowd really enjoyed Hogan beating uh, the giant here. And then the booty man comes out. Uh, he is wearing an NWO t-shirt. And so to the crowd, or at least to the the the, the pay-per-view audience, because this, uh, this live crowd probably had no idea what was going on, <laughs> uh, the booty man comes out, and he has a cake for Hogan, because Hogan uh, was his birthday the next day. And Hogan thanks him, uh, and then basically Hogan is cutting a promo, and he's like, you know, uh, Brutus is, uh, you know, he's my best friend. And if I uh, 
you know, if I can do this to my best friend, then what am I going to do to you guys? And then you yeah. they, Hall and Nash beat him up. They hold him. Hogan's punching him, hits him with the belt. I thought the announcers were going to like say, no, you know, don't hit him in the head. Like, you know, any more about the head to sell that, you know, because Beefcake historically had the issue with the parasailing accident. Mm-hmm. No. They didn't do that. They were out to lunch on this show. They were uh, already ready to go party at the whatever bar they want to go to. Yeah. So Hogan spray paints the NWO sign on the title. And there was a little, there was a funny little thing in the Guy Evans book where Guy Evans said or wrote that somebody had mentioned that for whatever reason, Hogan could not do the little N, you know, because how the, the NWO sign was like little N, big W, mm-hmm. and little O. Yeah, yeah. He's like, Hogan could never do the little N. He just always had to do the big N. And they, yeah. for whatever reason, he couldn't do the little N. And, um, there's 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 one flaw you could sort of say it's also a flaw in the match before which is a couple weeks ago the entire locker room comes out to face off the NWO these last two matches tons of cheating and team WCW's like eh we we're, we're not going to come out this time you've already showered and left dude <laughs> barbarian and ming are out you know, maybe they're just they're cutting a rug somewhere. I don't know. No, yeah, you know, I think this guy. I think everyone to get the hell out of there. You know, I don't want to hang on that tent. At least you could have showed us, like, you know, they they lock, they got locked in the room or something. Just locked in the room, man. <laughs> they got a bunch of Harley Davidsons in front of them. They can't yeah, get through. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Exactly. This bikes are piled against the door, like no one can get out of wherever the locker room is, or. So did Bruce Beefcake kind of expect to go back to the locker and there'd be a shovel and a body bag next to there? Just because, like, <laughs> they got beat up on, he got beat up on Nitro with a horseman. Then he comes out and oh, yeah. gets beat up by the NWO. Looks like a total dork. You know, like, that's yeah. it, right? Yeah. But he would come back as Disciple, super juiced up. And well, he, remember that? Uh, he will get, I mean, he gets paid to basically just be doing nothing. Yeah. That's true. He does get to be paid to sit at home, you know, just, just, with Lanny Poffo, him and Lanny Poffo. Yeah, just hang. be Hogan's buddy. Hogan's buddy mm-hmm. and Savage's brother. Not a yeah. bad deal. Waiting for Hogan's those best to start. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are we going to do next? Well, uh, the Clash of Champions, and they would only do two clashes uh, in 95, 96, and 97. And so the last Clash of 97 is only a couple of days after this show. I think there is a... So this show is 96. on... Or 96. The, <laughs> no, this show's on the 10th. Yeah. So then Nitro would be a couple days later, and mm-hmm. then that weekend would be The Clash. Yes. So, no, but you said the last one, 97. Or 96. Oh, sorry, sorry, 96. <laughs> yeah, 96. Uh, so we're going to cover... We're going to come back next week, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about the Nitro... We're, not a lot happens on that Nitro, but uh, Clash of Champions is uh, the card coming from Denver because Hogan does mention in his promo that he's facing Ric Flair on on this Clash of Champions in, in Denver. Like he he says that in his promo in the pay per view. So we'll talk about that. We'll do like a little a smaller episode uh, next week, and then the following couple weeks after that, whenever uh, we get caught up, is Fall Brawl, the War Game Show. Yep, looking forward to it. All right, so I hope you enjoyed our look back at WCW 96 covering Hogwild. 
which will become Road Wild, as as you can, based on the fact that this the the name of this show is probably the most well remembered thing about it, uh, and then it changes the next time. But yeah, so we'll be back. We'll talk Clash Champions. And uh, yeah, in one week, we'll we'll be back in one week. So hopefully you're enjoying this. For John LaRocca, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.